just full disclosure, I mean, I, we got to coach these guys. Hello, welcome. This is the Daily Northwestern's football podcast. I'm Tim Balk with Max Schumann and Cole Paxton coming at you from Evanston where the Wildcats are 1-0 after a 31-20 win over Nevada on Saturday. Did I get Nevada right, Cole? No. No, no it's Nevada, Tim. Nevada. Far from an oil painting, <laughs> um, but and he's one and uh, The Cats chilled by ten at halftime, but uh, Clayton Thorson came through, career high tying, three hundred fifty-two passing yards, and the Cats came back and win it. Sort of a tense, ugly, but ultimately victorious effort. Let's start off by talking about this game, shall we? Um, guys, what do you, what do you think? Cole, please. Well, it, I mean, it was not a a great performance really by any measure for Northwestern. There wasn't really any part of the game except maybe Clayton Thorson's performance that was really superb. Like you said, Tim, down 17-7 at halftime. Tied it up in the third quarter, but fourth quarter was iffy for a while. and It's kind of a, a blah game for Northwestern. They did enough to win. They looked good in the last five, six minutes. They avoided the embarrassing loss to open the season. But against a Nevada team that we think is really bad, this was a very underwhelming performance for Northwestern. I'm going to play devil's advocate there. I think Cole's being a little too negative. Well, let's remember this is Cole is the guy that thinks Northwestern's going to win 10 games this year, so maybe that's the... Right, he's, <laughs> he's maybe a little too quick to jump off the ship. Um, it was the first game against a Nevada team. Nevada? Nevada. 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 Yeah. We'll just call them the Wolfpack. Against the Wolfpack. <laughs> Two the Wolfpack, words, I might add. A team with a new head coach, a new coaching staff, um, and a look that Northwestern wouldn't have seen on tape before. Um, obviously, in the first half, Northwestern had some problems dealing with them, particularly limiting big plays on offense. But the second half, they outscored them 24-3. to um, And I think the biggest takeaway from this game was Thorson's performance, um, which Tim, you mentioned, he looked for the most part comfortable and in control of the offense. They had big plays, they had small plays, they kept the offense on target. Um, I don't think that their performance in this game changes my opinion of the team. No, I agree. I mean, I, as you noted, I picked Northwestern to go 10 and 2. I still think that's going to happen because I think this was Northwestern's worst performance of the season. And you mentioned many of the reasons why that was the first game, the new staff. It's definitely the worst one so far. Everyone talked about. <laughs> no, certainly. But, I mean, for me, this was. You think there's nowhere to go but up for them? I really think there's nowhere to go but up. I mean, I, I thought this was a pretty poor performance for Northwestern. I think you can still play a team you've never seen before, and when you're supposed to be miles better than them, it shouldn't take you two and a half quarters to figure out how to play well. Now, Cole, I want to talk to you about something I know that is very near and dear to you, which is the Northwestern offensive line. Um, the offensive line was a big question mark. Maybe they'll be better, maybe they'll be worse. Um, and Justin Jackson ran for 109 yards, Northwestern ran for 156, but Northwestern's O-line I didn't think was looked really 
against it. You'd think they'd look a little better against the what did you? How would you evaluate their performance? Of the yeah, I, I thought the tackle play was good enough. I mean, it was two new starters at tackle. A, red, a true freshman, Rashawn Slater, at right tackle. I mean, he and Jared Thomas on the left and, and Gunnar Vogel, who rotated in at right tackle, they were okay. I was disappointed by the interior of the line. That's supposed to be the strength of the unit. Um, the run uh, blocking was, was below average at best for Northwestern, and Pat Fitzgerald mentioned that in his press conference this week, said that the right guard, Tommy Doles, was below his level, but I was surprised at how much Northwestern struggled to run the ball up the middle. I just think it's interesting, um, coming into the season, there was even question marks about who would be playing where the first depth jar comes out, and Blake Hans, who was the starting left tackle last, last season, is now at left guard. He's also the backup left tackle. Jerry Thomas, who had been inside the season before, had been the reserve, is now the starting left tackle. Um, there's just a lot of like question marks at right tackle, who's playing, who's even like lining up. And then during the game, you'll see the offensive line rotate. And different players come in, which when you talk about a position that where continuity and knowing what the guy next to you on both sides of you um, is going to do, is it like a key part of performing well? I just think it's just... It's very unsettled, and it doesn't surprise me that they struggle that in this first game here. I thought it was telling uh, at the, his presser when Fitz was asked about you know messing around if he was still if he was going to stop messing around with the O line uh, now that you know the season's underway, and he was laughed and was like, "I'm just trying to you know playing to win, trying to find call together a unit that you know can function." I think clearly that's a that they're they're not as much further along from last year at this time as. Uh, I think some folks would have liked last year when they lost their first two games of the season. That was really because the offensive line was terrible. But I think there's there's a little bit of optimism, kind of the silver lining of playing a lot of guys, is that there are at least enough competent guys. Because last season, and Fitz hinted at, at this throughout preseason and training camp this year, he wanted to play more guys last year, especially at left tackle, but no one was remotely good enough to even see the field. So he still doesn't have five guys who are really good enough to play every snap, but it does seem like he has six or seven who can play to some baseline level where it's not going to be embarrassing. Speaking of another deep position, I think the unit that really shined, no doubt, on Saturday was the receiving core. Um, that was another question right coming in the season. Can we say, at least based on this week, that those questions are answered? I think that you have to be impressed um, with what the receivers showed. Um, obviously, Ben Skoranek blew up, sort of, uh, with a career day, and he seemed to be the deep threat that the team needs. Um, Garrett Dickerson, Justin Jackson, Macon Wilson all had plays as well. Um, there looks to be a good mix of players who can get open on short route, short routes um, and keep the offense moving and then guys who can get open deep. Um, I don't think that there's a talent problem there at all. I think there are guys who can get open. It's not like two years ago, for example, when it seemed like Northwestern couldn't find guys who could get open to help who Clayton Thorson, who was starting in his first season then, and the offense really struggled. Um, this season, it looks like the receivers can beat coverage and get to positions to catch passes, which is 
definitely an encouraging sign for the team. Yeah, I mean, I think we sort of knew a little bit what we were going to get from the receivers, which is kind of a muddled group of four or five guys who would all jockey to replace the production of Austin Carr. What impressed me is that from week one, it seems like there's significant improvements from several of those guys. I'm not surprised that Bennett Skoranek had an eight-catch, 123-yard day, but I'm very surprised that it came in early September. I mean, the leaps that guys like Skoranek and Macon Wilson uh, have made in the offseason is impressive to me in that it, it didn't take until the season started and they got more comfortable in larger roles for these guys to start to step up and make the kind of plays that we saw on Saturday. Would you guys temper that at all with this being against Nevada, or do you think these guys are really legit? I think if you play an elite defense, these numbers will be down, but and the fact that Northwestern didn't run the ball particularly well, I mean, they were okay on that front. Um, you know, Clayton Thorson was 28 of 38, Yes, that's due in part because you have some favorable matchups, but I still think that this is more a referendum on Northwestern's receivers than about a secondary. And the other question, which always comes up with Northwestern play calling. Uh, <laughs> it's, a fav- it's a favorite uh, topic for Northwestern fans, surely. Uh, I think a lot of people about the play calling on Saturday was interesting. Uh, Northwestern ran the ball on first downs a lot and on second downs a lot and sometimes on third downs. And there was, a, you know, at least one incidence, inc- instance excuse me, where they run, 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 pass on fourth, fits embracing fourth downs. They attempted five fourth downs, converted, converted on three. What did you guys, what were your guys' thoughts on the play call? I think coming away from this game, I was very impressed with the way Thorson threw the ball um, and the way that it seemed like he knew where to go with the ball. And I think that that dictates that you should throw the ball more. Um, they had, especially running up the middle, um, was a tough time for Northwestern. Um, when they got on the edges, they were able to make some solid gains, nothing huge or game-breaking. Um but the potential is there for the pass game, I think. Even tempering it against a Nevada team that shouldn't be the best team Northwestern plays in non-conference, let alone this season. Um, even with that caveat, I think that this is a team that should have should be a team that can throw the ball 50 times. I know, Tim, you have many thoughts on, on what kind of game Mick McCall called, but I, I just pulled up the play chart for Northwestern, and, and what strikes me is when Northwestern was second and five or shorter, they only threw the ball one time on Saturday. In the second and short, second and medium, even third and short opportunities, it's like you, not only does Northwestern run the ball a lot in those situations, you know they're going to run the ball. And Tim, I know we talked during the game about how there were times when Northwestern's pass offense was working significantly better than its run offense, and Mick McCall did not seem to adjust to that very much. What I'd say, and what we forget maybe, is last year was sort of the year of the pass in Evanston. Thorson was second in the Big Ten pass attempts. 
um, that really opened things up. And that was an adjustment, though, because the first couple of weeks they were passing the ball, but only when they couldn't, they were running, running ball first wasn't working, they were passing the ball. Um, and they, over the course of the season, sort of evolved into a pass to set up the run team. And then sort of late in the year, when the offensive line played against, played, played better at certainly the Illinois game, was that they were just a, a ground and pound old school Northwestern team. But my question to you guys is, will that you guys think that this team will very quickly evolve into a pass first, pass to set the run team? Thorson threw the ball 38, I think 37 times a game last year. But w- what do you think this, the, their offense will look like three or four weeks down the road? Well, for me, I think it's you pass to set up the run if you're having some struggles in the run game. I mean, I have no problem with a a run-run pass or a you know a run pass where you run the ball almost exclusively on first down if you're getting more than one, two, maybe three yards, which I do expect that Northwestern will run the ball better than they did against Nevada. But if they don't, I would like to see a more pass to set up the run team because I think there's very clearly the talent in the passing game to run that kind of offense. I think the thing about Northwestern's offense, Northwestern runs a spread, but they don't run kind of like the platonic ideal of the college spread. You'll see a lot of teams in other conferences in particular. Wait, time out. What's the platonic ideal think about, of the Think about teams that throw the ball all the time. They do it because the short pass is a run, basically. They treat that as their running game. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. And if you have a quarterback who gets the ball out quick and gets it out on time, it's just as safe as a run. Northwestern short passing game was, I would say, the emphasis last year, wouldn't you? I'm saying that yeah. I think if you... Tr- it, it all comes back to if you trust Thorson as the operator of your offense to make those short throws consistently, There's you can throw... As a, if you're having struggles in the run game, especially if the offensive line continues to be unsettled, you can get around that by throwing quick passes. I think that I would not be surprised if after non-conference season, if Northwestern continues to have struggles running the ball, that they throw the ball a lot more in the conference play. Right. I think the one place I would quarrel with you, Cole, um, is the idea that they're will run the ball better over the course of the year. I, you know, there's, I mean, two weeks, three weeks down the road, they'll be playing Wisconsin. That's the type of game where, like, if you can't run against Nevada, you're not going to be running on Wisconsin. So I, is that a confidence in the O-line or just a confidence in that sort of what you were saying earlier about that, that being, this being sort of the baseline for North Yeah, I, I think this is, it, it's more about, I, I really think that this was, a significantly less impressive version of Northwestern that we'll see. But also, you know, Nevada played the run heavy. Uh, they they seemed intent on slowing Justin Jackson a lot, and, you know, it worked to some degree. So I don't know how much better Northwestern's going to run the ball, but I would be a little surprised if Justin Jackson averages 3.6, 3.7, 3.8 yards a carry all season like he did against Nevada. I do also think, I guess there's a difference between what Northwestern maybe should do to get the optimal results versus what they're going to do. Like, they're going to run the ball a lot because that's the kind of coach that Fitz is and the kind of 
team that they think that they are. Before we look ahead um, to next week, let's we've been kind of offense focused. Uh, just to quickly on the defense, the defense wasn't on the field that much, which is probably why we're not dwelling on them that much. <laughs> for but uh, def- defense sporting that four two five look. What did you guys think? Yeah, I mean it makes sense given the personnel Northwestern has and. You know, you basically have three safeties who are good enough to start, and you really only have two kind of tried-and-true tested linebackers. So, I mean, the four-two-five I think, was uh, is makes sense for Northwestern to run heavily, and I think it worked with the matchup they had against Nevada. I mean, they gave up some chunk plays in the first half and cut that down in the second half, and I think there's enough variety in the safeties beside Kyle Cairo you know, up on the line of scrimmage, whether he was covering in the slot or even playing some linebacker. And I don't know, Max, it seems like for the people Northwestern has and the style of defense they run, there's not a lot of reason to force untested middle linebackers into the game all that much. Oh, there's, especially against the spread offense, um, you have to have guys on the field who can cover and you have safeties you can cover. Like, Kyle Cairo can play nickel corner easily and do everything that you want him to do. There's no reason to keep a linebacker on that you don't trust if you can play Cairo. Um, the other thing that I noticed with regard to the defense, um, in the first half, it seemed like Northwestern's secondary, especially the safeties, were playing very tight to the line of scrimmage, not starting out very deep down the field. And they got gashed. They got burned a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Nevada had nine completions in the first half for almost 150 yards of passing offense. Which is incredible because they only finished with 199 passing yards. Right. In the second half, it seemed so. It seemed Northwestern came into the game with the plan of we'll, we're going to crowd the line and like dare them to beat us deep. And they did. N- Nevada did in the first half. In the second half, they backed off. Um, they forced Nevada to throw more short stuff and they weren't able to get they weren't able to be efficient enough to keep things going um I mean they only gave up three points and that was on a short field I think the the defense big pick by Cairo yeah terrible throw in the corner (laughs) just lofted up to Cairo but that was Cairo Cairo coming from the nickel position on that play too right I think that's right he was dropping back into his own or something yeah um I think the de- the first half was questionable. The second half, after they made it like an obvious adjustment that you could see them make, they played much better, which makes me feel better about the talent on that side of the ball. And I think that they do. They might not have a lot of stars, but they do have a lot of. Well, we know they have talent. Yes. There. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the hallmark unit, perhaps, of this whole team is that defensive secondary. In the second half, it looked more like the Sky team of last year, when healthy, and certainly the year before. Um, I do want to say about the uh, the four two five look. Um, obviously, that's good against spread teams. In the Big Ten, you don't necessarily get a lot of that. Um, so when you play against Wisconsin, you need to have linebackers who can fill their gap and tackle a guy. You do, but you know Tim and I kind of hinted at it a little bit on Saturday. Godwin Gubuke can can crowd up. Some, I mean, you if, when you play Wisconsin, you don't want to run the four-two-five with Godwin playing middle linebacker every yeah. snap. But there is flexibility with the safeties that you don't have to be 
in the 4-3 all the time on first and second down against power run teams. I would say the safeties are probably the most reliable. They're the part of the defense that I like the most just because I feel like all of them can do everything. that it, They're all very interchangeable and they can do can, things mm-hmm. that... They can predict interceptions and then make them. I mean, that's hard to beat. It was it was it was <laughs> last year against uh, last year against Duke that Godwin and Gubuke tweeted thanks for the INT before the game, and made an interception. Now Northwestern's going down to Duke this year. They hosted them last year, um, and Duke spread team. Um, they like to throw the ball. If you can stop Duke from throwing the ball, you're probably going to beat them. Um, let's talk a little bit about this Duke team. I surprised you guys a little bit when I told you that according to ESPN's Football Power Index, Duke has a 56.7% chance of winning on Saturday. I know you guys think that this is a a relatively manageable game um, uh, for Northwestern. I'll get to want to hear what your predictions and thoughts are. But first, just a little bit about Duke. One, Fitz raves about them. Fitz loves to talk about this team. He thinks that they're... He really does. He's been very happy to play them for the last couple of seasons because he just loves talking about how well coached they are. And then beating them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Even when they're they're really not that great. You can be well coached and still lose. They do have a good quarterback. That's Daniel Jones. He passed for 2,800 yards last season. 280 against Northwestern, but didn't find the end zone. That was, I thought, thought you can look back on one of the stronger performances of Northwestern secondary. Uh, uh, Obviously, Governor Gubuque's pick. Um, so, Duke went four and eight last year, but they're one and zero this year. Um, they're coming off a big old-fashioned beatdown, sixty to seven over mighty North Carolina Central. Um, what do you guys think about this game? Yeah, I think it's a good matchup for Northwestern. I mean, Duke is a spread offense, and we just talked about how spread offenses are kind of the systems that Northwestern is best designed to shut down. I think Duke is, you know, I'm not an expert on their defense, but I don't think it's it's super scary for Northwestern. Clayton Thorson should probably have another big day. Uh, I think Northwestern can run the ball with decent efficiency. doesn't have to be much better than it was against Nevada. I mean, Northwestern just across the board, I think, is a little better than Duke at pretty much every spot on the field. Duke is known defensively for creative looks. They actually line up in the four-two-five. Like we just talk about the four-two-five. Like Duke is actually built as a team that has three safeties on the field at all times. Um, I think it'll be an interesting test. I see a lot of Northwestern in Duke as a program. Um, Duke maybe a little less talent at the moment than Northwestern's had. Um, in recent years. I think it'll be an interesting game. I do think Northwestern should be favored. I do not think Duke has a 57% chance of winning this game. Um, But I do think that this is a losable game for Northwestern. I would not be surprised if they don't come away with it. Um, Yeah, Duke scares me. I don't think they have a 57% chance of winning, but maybe it's having watched them torch Notre Dame last year, maybe it's, you know... I think it's more in the uh, 35 to... F- like, 35 to 40% chance. Which is Duke. also scary to me. I think this is a really big game for Northwestern. I think that 
you win this game, you'll be three now going into Wisconsin. I think that totally changes things to be undefeated going into conference play. You're already taking the Bowling Green game for granted. Maybe I shouldn't do that. But uh, two and zero going I, into Bowling think... Green week, anything is possible. Under um, the lights, running of the freshman, really anything is possible. Really anything is possible when the running of the freshman is going it, down. That's very that true. would be the highlight of the season. Wildcat, welcome Dash. What do they call that? The, the uh, it beats me. I'm excited though because it's it's a night game and it's the first time I can remember in a while that the freshmen have run in a night game and it's going to be high pressure. Some of them are going to trip. Uh, several will th- trip. I, you know, we can talk about this more <laughs> next week. But we had a bet. We, we had a bet last. This is season. actually a tease for next week's podcast. We'll be discussing at length. How many freshmen? It'll be a 10 to 15 minute section where we Easily. discuss in detail every freshman who trips. Last season, we had a bet with our esteemed colleague, Bobby Pilati, who is graduating and is no longer with us, about the number of freshmen who would trip. I said no freshman would trip, and I believe I was correct. You were correct, but that was not because it was a good freshman class. I want to be clear. <laughs> they just went slow. I think this one's gonna have a little more energy. Maybe with the night, get some adrenaline. Some of them will probably be drunk. Um, you know, it should be good. Um, and we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'll be live tweeting. Great. That's, uh, <laughs> that's great, Tim. That's. Uh, we'll get more into this next week. But this. I, I do think. I do think the related to talk about the atmosphere is Northwestern, like you mentioned, Tim, plays very well on the road. They play well in big games. They play well in, they get amped up for big games. And that's another the other thing that scares me. Last time we saw them on the road, they were a really good road team last year when they were playing in road games that should have been hard. You know, they went to homecoming, Michigan State homecoming, and dropped 54 on them. They went to Iowa homecoming, beat them when they, at that point they were really struggling. You know, they, they get up for big games, they almost beat Ohio State on the road at night. Um, then you go to Minnesota. It's cold. Doesn't seem like anyone wanted to be there. No energy. They I get they certainly get ripped did not apart. want to be there. Shum <laughs> didn't want to be there. It was very it was very cold. It was a very cold day. There was some snow on the ground. Well, um, there will certainly be no snow on breezy. the ground on, on Saturday the, in Durham. I don't care what you know, like people say about Chicago being cold. That was the coldest place I've ever been to. It was like thirty degrees. It felt like it was so much colder. Um, I, you know, you wonder, like, what what is this team's mindset going to be going into this game? And normally I don't believe in this mindset. Like, normally I don't believe that, like, players' attitudes affect things, except for Northwestern football on the road or at Ryan Field when it's empty like it was on Saturday. I, I think there's some upside, though, because of the way Fitz goes about this Duke team. I mean, he he lauded them to us, so we can only imagine what he's players? doing his team. You think they're excited to play Duke? No, but I think the fact that they've played Duke two the last two bit, seasons, a little bit of a rivalry, game. and they've been two good games. The staff seems to like playing them. I think Northwestern will be sufficiently excited to play this game. Yeah, it's a noon start. It's a non-conference game against a team. Eleven a.m. That on good. the players' players' time. Sure, but I if this was a team that Northwestern thought it should roll through that would be scarier to me than one that the Northwestern from what we can glean seems to take this Duke team pretty seriously I think Northwestern will be engaged with this game I don't think that'll be a problem I still think that Duke 
If to give them a game. If Northwestern wins against Duke, are they ranked? I don't think so. No. I mean, unless it's really, really impressive. I, I just think Northwestern's kind of on that second tier of teams outside the top 25 right now. And to jump ahead of those teams that are, are right on the edge, they're going to have to do something a little better than an ugly win against Nevada and a decent win against Duke. I agree with what Cole said. Get yeah. to three and zero after Bowling Green. There, a few yeah. teams lose, then maybe you're right there. All right, I'm gonna finish this off by putting you both on the spot. Can you give me a prediction, Cole? You first. I think uh, Northwestern, you know, does not look great against Duke, uh, but like I said earlier, they're just a better team across the board. I think Northwestern um, can put up. A fair number of points. I'll take them uh, 31-23 over Duke. I will say Northwestern wins 24-16. to Charlie Kubander hits one field goal and does not miss anymore. How many Fitz times? goes for it three times on fourth down. Only three. Wow, only three. Yes. That's definitely, I'm going to put the over-under at like three and a half. Fitz has been a little. I would take. We know we talked about this. Should Max we talk is, about this? Is very adamant. Just as an aside, that Northwestern goes for way too much on fourth. I don't down. think they go no, for you it don't. way too he, much. There no, was a. This. Let's be clear. Let me. Let me defend myself. I think last season there was a moment about midway through the season where Fitz realized that Jack Mitchell would miss a lot of kicks, and it wasn't. It was sometimes worth it to go for it on fourth and short in field goal range because Jack Mitchell was like hit missed a third of his kicks at least um that was good that was Fitz recognizing the team that he had and committing to that and making sound choices in my mind he doesn't necessarily know that about his kicking game currently unless there's been some practice shenanigans that we like kickers are missing kicks left and right Charlie Kubander is actually... There's no reason to think he's... Be- Jack Mitchell was okay. Don't hate on Jack Mitchell. Don't he forget Notre Dame. He was very bad last year. You will not forget Notre Dame. That's great. He was pretty good for two seasons, but last year he took a humongous step I think, backwards. I think you guys are underestimating the fact that Fitz realized that going on fourth is really fun. Going on fourth is really fun. The yeah, only, The only... The fourth and one... With Northwestern down three, fourth and goal at the one yard line with Northwestern. A long one with Northwestern down three. Was like, that was like iffy. I love going that for it iffy. on fourth and goal from the one, but I don't know that I'm man enough to make that call. You guys, the fourth and seven, that from I the, 27 like. the 27, was a little extreme. When Northwestern went for the one yard line trailing, I think that's the you, a fourth down you gotta go, because one Thorson's. You know, absolute money on quarterback sneaks, and, and <laughs> it was apparently a long, it was a yard and a half. Apparently, like it was a very long yard. Just asking, he's two yards. Well, that's he's true. two yards tall. Um, <laughs> long, not tall. Is that what he said? He said he's two yards, two yards long. Well, he's two yards. That's long. a very weird way <laughs> of saying that. Regardless, well, but we'll get that's a we'll that's, get an pass, that's an aside. That's an aside. A pick from you, Tim. A pick North from Northwestern and Duke on I, Saturday. I think Northwestern will go for it on. Fourth down four times, and they will win by four points. That's my that's my prediction. You've been listening to Daily Northwestern's football podcast with Max Schumann and Cole Paxton. I'm Tim Balk. Feel free to like 
and subscribe. And of course, remember to continue following Northwestern Wildcats football on Twitter at Daily New Sports and on our website, dailynorthwestern.com. Until next week. Let's get home safe.